0: Hello, church family. I'm Jensen. For those of you who do not know me, uh, it's been always a privilege of mine to call One Heart Church our home church. And uh, it's been uh, a, great, a great privilege for me to be able to stand before you through, this, through the lens of this camera and deliver a message for you this Sunday. Um, we've been uh, going through, all of us, um, over the last six to seven weeks, uh, a very strange period of our, in the history of our nation, uh, history of our of this world, uh, and uh, we've seen so much changes that have happened through COVID-19. Um, on behalf of Sharon, myself, and uh, my family, we are we are missing church. We we really miss being in church, uh, and uh, we miss seeing you guys. And uh, we hope uh, that uh, soon. We will be able to see each other face to face once again. Um, despite all the changes, despite all the confusion and frustration um, of being in lockdown and being in, you know, having cabin fever, having so much uh, frustrations in terms of changes to our workplace um, practices, uh, we are so thankful, and I'm so thankful that we live in a lucky country and that uh, the infection rate has come down and that we are seeing that uh, we are getting on top of this pandemic. And I thank God for that. And I know that a big part of it is because believers like you and I have been praying, and we have been praying very hard that God will deliver us and God will see us as a nation through. So I want to encourage all of you, including myself, to keep on praying, to keep on praying for God to, to to work His divine hand to deliver us from these really, really challenging times. Today, I want to bring to you a message uh, that uh, I believe is something that all of us struggle, including myself. It's called self-centeredness. The title of my message is Keeping Self-Centeredness in Check. Us human beings are pretty much self-centered creatures. You and I are inherently selfish. Uh, When push comes to shove, all we want to do is look after Number one, me, myself, and I. And it is something that is inbuilt in each of us. And we all struggle with it. Every single day of our lives, in every decision we make, we have to struggle with a sense of self-centeredness against being selfless. In fact, our culture encourages self-centeredness. If you look at it closely enough, we have a culture that is all driven by consumerism. We talk about what is best for me, what is best? That was, what is the best gadget, what is the best thing, or what is the best healthcare that suits me? What will deliver what I want? We are surrounded in this culture about what can I get out of this place? What can I get out of this person? And what can I get out of this government? Isn't that true? If you think about it deeply enough, um, that we all have this inherent natural tendency just to look after ourselves. If you look in the Bible closely enough, you will see that there are many, many characters in the Bible that also struggle with self-centeredness. I can even argue the fact that it was actually self-centeredness that led to the downfall of men in the story of Adam and Eve. It was the serpent, yes, without a doubt. He's the one that tempted Eve and Adam to take the forbidden fruit. But if you read closely enough, the serpent was appealing towards Adam and Eve's sense of self-centeredness because he tempted Adam and Eve to say, if you eat this, you will become like God. And even and a- Adam and Eve actually thought that was a very, very good proposal because they can be like God. And so Adam and Eve fell from grace, fell from God's favor because of self centeredness. And do you know that even Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he had to battle the human nature of self centeredness, even very early in his ministry, before he even started his public ministry. And this is where I want to take you today into a passage of scripture. And I want to highlight to you today some of the struggles and the aspects, or what I call facets of self-centeredness that we all will have to battle, and how Jesus shows us the way in how to overcome it. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, where you, are, where you are sitting in your living room, can you open your Bibles and read with me from the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 1 to 13. I am reading to you from the New Living Translation. Let's read together. Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Returned from the Jordan River. He was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for forty days. Jesus ate nothing all that time and became very hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone. Then the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them, the devil said, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if you will worship me. Jesus replied, the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem to the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, Jump off! For the scriptures say, He will order His angels to protect and guard you. And they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. When the devil had finished tempting Jesus, he left Him until the next opportunity came. Those of us who know this scripture, talks about Jesus' trials and temptation by the devil immediately after he got baptized with the Holy Spirit and at the Jordan River. And we know from the story that the devil came and tempted Jesus. It is one thing to talk about what the devil did to tempt Jesus, but it is one thing that I want to highlight to you today is the aspect of human nature that the devil is trying to target when he was trying To tempt Jesus. And he was trying to target Jesus' human nature, which has the tendency for self centeredness. And I want to show you three different facets of how Jesus overcame each aspect of the self centered nature of men. The first thing, which leads us to the first temptation of Jesus by the devil, was the temptation to turn this stone to bread. If you look at it closely enough, there's actually nothing wrong with eating bread. There's nothing really wrong in actually turning a stone to bread. Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He is really hungry. And I don't know about you, I get really hungry and angry after four hours. And if it's 40 days and 40 nights, I can imagine how much physical suffering and physical hunger that Jesus is experiencing. And the devil tempted Jesus with the thought that since you're the Son of God, why don't you just take the easy way out? Just sustain yourself. You can do, you can do all of this. But look at what Jesus said. Jesus told the devil, the Scripture says, people do not live by bread alone. And if you look at another translation or another book, another gospel, which, which is in the book of Matthew, about this same same passage of Scripture, Jesus actually said, people do not live by bread alone, but from every word that comes out from the mouth of God. This is the struggle of self-sufficiency versus dependence on God. You and I always have that tendency to want to be self-sufficient. We want to be in control of our surroundings. I don't know about you, but since COVID-19 broke out, you've seen the self-centered nature of men being manifested by the toilet paper crisis. You've seen it when everybody's holding the flour, the toilet paper, and the hand sanitizers. Now, you must think these people are crazy, these people are, are inherently selfish, but actually that tendency is within you and I. Because when push comes to shove, our human nature tends to revert to its primal tendency for self-sufficiency. And when all our life, if all we are concentrating on and what we base our life on is just to be self-sufficient, we are missing that other aspect of living where Jesus has already highlighted that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That means we must depend on God as much as we depend on food to live. The question that I have to ask you and I is, how much are we dependent on God when we are faced with a crisis of our own personal needs, when we are faced with a crisis of lack, when we are faced with a crisis that involves our health or our mental state? How many of us uh, can truly say that, God, I... In my struggle with self-sufficiency versus dependence on you, I am more dependent on you than my own sense of self-sufficiency. And I'm glad that Jesus overcame that temptation. Jesus overcame that self-centered nature of self-sufficiency by saying that we are, he is going, we are going to depend on God as much as we depend on food. Self sufficiency versus dependence on God. That was the first aspect of self centeredness. The second temptation in which the devil tempted Jesus with was the temptation of giving him all the kingdoms of the world and the authority over them and the glory of these kingdoms as well. So the devil brought Jesus and gave him a, a snapshot of all the glory of this earth and offered it to Jesus and said, "You it's all yours if you will bow down and worship me. The devil was trying to appeal to Jesus' human nature sense of self-ambition. So that's the second aspect. Self-ambition versus devotion to God. All of us have ambitions. Ambition itself It's not wrong, because you and I are born with a sense of purpose. And we many times cater our ambition to fit the vision that's been given to us. But what the devil was trying to tempt Jesus with is the temptation of being self-ambitious. It's like, you can have all of this, but you just bow down and worship me. That's a very easy way out. So the devil was tempting Jesus with money, fame, and power. Now, you and I know there's nothing wrong with money, there is nothing wrong with fame, and there is nothing wrong with power because the Bible is full of people that have money, they have fame, Jesus himself was famous, and people with lots of authority and power. But ambition without devotion to God is idolatry. So you and I can have ambitions, but if our ambitions are not fashioned in a way that we can use our ambition to worship God or serve God, that is idolatry. And that was what the devil was tempting Jesus. It all looked pretty good, but we know that in the end, if we sell ourselves to self-ambition, all we will worship is the devil. All we will be worshipping is something that is empty and idle, that is not the one true living God. So Jesus was tempted with self-ambition, and he overcame it by saying, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only Him. So the challenge for you and I today is, are we going to serve God with our ambition? There's lots of things you and I want to do with our lives, and we want to... We want to be successful in whatever we want to do. But the question is, are we willing to surrender our ambition for God to take our ambition to the next level and let our ambition serve God as well? It doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. It doesn't mean that you have to be a missionary into the interiors of Africa. It is all about you knowing what God wants you to do and me knowing what God wants me to do, and set my plans and my vision and my ambition to achieve it to the best of my ability. Because in the end of the day, you and I are made to serve God. And if we are not serving God, we will be serving everything else. And you think sometimes that if you think we are just serving ourselves, think again, we might be actually serving everything else. And so that's our challenge today for you and I in terms of self-ambition versus devotion to God. The third aspect of self-centeredness, which I think is uh, one of the hardest ones uh, for us to overcome, is the challenge of self-vindication versus discernment through God. What does this mean? Let's look at what the devil was tempting Jesus in that third attempt. So the devil took Jesus to the highest point of the temple and said, if you're the son of God, just jump off. The scriptures have already said, realize that the devil is very cunning because he actually tried to quote scriptures to Jesus and say, look, if you, fall, if you jump off, the angels are just going to carry you. They're, just gonna, they're not going to let you get hurt because you are the son of God. So what the devil was trying to do, he was trying to challenge Jesus. He was actually telling Jesus, go prove yourself. Go prove that you are who you said you are. Have you and I ever been faced with a challenge when somebody tells you, go prove yourself? You think you are good? Come, prove yourself. Prove yourself to me. And most of us, when we are faced with that challenge, we have that tendency within ourselves to say, yeah, I'm going to prove to you that I'm right. I'm going to prove to you that I am uh, I'm who I say I am. How dare you question me? That is the tendency of self-vindication because you want to be the one who is proved Right. And the devil wanted to trap Jesus into that place where he succumbs to his human nature for self-vindication. Just for a moment, think if Jesus actually responded to the devil's challenge and said, Look, I'll jump off for you. I'm going to show you that the angels are going to carry me. Now, I'm pretty sure the angels will carry Jesus and he won't get hurt. But what that's going to do is just going to create a stunt, a useless stunt, a stunt that nobody is going to benefit from. If only the devil's going to be laughing at Jesus. Aha, you, you've taken up my stupid challenge. So sometimes when we are faced with the temptation to self-vindicate, we have to exercise discernment through God to actually say, look, actually, what you're asking me to do is just trying to appeal to my tendency for self-vindication. And it's actually a waste of my time. And you can see that Jesus overcame this tendency for self-vindication when the devil tempted him with this this challenge. Do you know that self-vindication, many times, it's just a form of self-recognition, that you want to be recognized that you are actually legit, that you are actually like, oh, well, I'm actually that talented, I'm going to prove to you and self-recognition pretty much leads to self-pride. So self-vindication many times has a lot, of, has a lot of to do with self-recognition, and self-recognition pretty much is self-pride. Versus if we are going to respond to how Jesus responded, to be discerning, to know that actually this is a battle that is not worth fighting for i don't have to prove myself i don't have to tell do this or that to prove to you that i am the son of god i don't and same thing for you and i we don't have to do some things just because somebody else asks us to prove ourselves if you look in the life of jesus the religious leaders and many people asked him perform miracles perform signs and we will believe but actually no matter how much jesus is going to do in terms of miracles, none of them are going to believe. Because they've already set in their hearts not to believe, they just want to trap Jesus and discredit Jesus. And Jesus didn't even bother entertaining some of these requests. And surely he didn't entertain the devil's request to prove his identity. So you and I have to find our security in who God says we are and to use the discernment that God gives us to know what battle that we are supposed to fight. Because there are battles that you and I need to stand up and fight for, but there are some battles that are pretty much a waste of our time. And we need the wisdom and discernment from God to actually know which one. Just like Jesus performed many, many many miracles, but he didn't perform miracles for everyone. The same thing applies to all of us. We do not want to be people-pleasing in nature. It is important to love people. Jesus loved people, but he is not a people-pleaser. Realize that difference. So I've talked about three facets of self-centeredness that many times we we all fall victim to. The tendency for self-sufficiency, the tendency for self-ambition, and the tendency for self-vindication. Self-centeredness always results in a feeling of insecurity. If you think closely enough, you will never have enough. You and I will never have enough to fill the void of sufficiency. There's always something new that we have to fill. There's always something new that we think we need to feel satisfied and full. There's always going to be somebody else that's going to be better than us. There's always going to be another position that is better than the position that you have in your work or wherever you are. And there's always going to be somebody that will never ever acknowledge um, who you are and and will always ask you to prove yourself. And sometimes there are people that actually want to entrap you, to tempt you, to do something that in the end you will regret. I remember a message that Pastor Rob preached a few weeks ago uh, during the start of this lockdown about uh, freedom from bad choices, how God helps us overcome bad choices. And you know that bad choices many times come from us responding to a temptation and a temptation that actually appeals to our tendency for self-centeredness. And Jesus overcame this, overcame every single facet of self-centeredness by showing us that we can depend on God just like how much we depend, on, we depend on food to live. That we can submit our ambition and our mission in life as part of worship to God no matter what we do, no matter where God places us. And that we always have the help from God, the wisdom from God to discern what battles we fight and what battles we think is going to just trap us and waste our time. What Jesus did in that desert, in that wilderness with, uh, with the devil, helped Jesus to be able to overcome all the temptations and all the challenges that he had through his public ministry. If you look through it throughout the entire time of his three and a half years of ministering to the Jews and the Gentiles, that there is always that challenge of self-sufficiency trying to come in. And there's always that challenge of self-ambition. There's always the challenge of self-vindication and you can see time and time again that Jesus did not succumb to those tendencies and even on the night before he was betrayed the night where he is betrayed from the garden of Gethsemane being arrested by the temple guards you remember that he was praying and he's saying Lord it's not my will but yours be done if it's not your will do not let please take this cup away from me Jesus was actually struggling with self-sufficiency and self-preservation. And because you and I have that tendency, we know we're going to die, we're going to take on the sin of the world, we're going to be rejected by the very person we love, our tendency is just to run away. Our tendency as human beings is just, no, I'm not having a bar of it. But Jesus overcame it by submitting himself, submitting himself to God's will and said, not my will, but yours be done. Whereas most of us would say, Lord, it's my will, not yours. Be done. But will we say today that, Lord, it is we want your will and not my will? That is the challenge for you and I as as I close. You know that Jesus overcame. Jesus overcame sin. Jesus overcame every single challenge that this life would throw at us. And you know he died a gruesome death on the cross. But He gave His life up willingly. He gave the ultimate selfless sacrifice so that we actually have the keys to overcome every challenge that we have in this life on earth. I read to you a scripture from First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. So because Jesus has overcome this wicked tendency of the flesh, He can actually help us overcome whatever challenges that we face. So today I I want to put this encouragement out to you guys and for you and I, that the challenge today is would you let Jesus come and fight your battles with you? Because only He has overcome sin. Only He has overcome the weaknesses of human nature. In the Bible, it's called it, it, we use the term the flesh. So Jesus has conquered the flesh and has conquered the devil and conquered sin itself. Because He died on the cross as a sinless sacrifice for us and He rose again from the dead on the third day and that is why we celebrate days like Easter we celebrate Good Friday because it pretty much encompasses everything we believe in as Christians because Jesus took our humanity the wickedness its sin he crucified it on the cross so that we can be forgiven and we can come back to God and he will give us the power to be able to overcome and Jesus led the way I would like to put I would like to show you the two keys that Jesus used when he overcame temptation, when he overcame the temptations of human nature. The answer lies in the very beginning of the scripture that we talked about in Luke chapter 4, verse 1. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And number 2, Jesus always used scriptures. So for you and I to overcome temptation and every challenge in our lives, we need number one, the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are powerless. And number two, we need the Word of God. That means we need to know our Bible. We need to know our Scriptures. Because we need the Spirit and the Word of God to be able to overcome. And Jesus used both of those aspects when He overcame the devil in that wilderness of temptation. So you and I need the Holy Spirit. You and I need the Word of God. And I want to pray today that if you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I would like you, when, I, when we pray together, believe that the Holy Spirit can come to you where you are. Because only the Spirit of God that can bring true change. And it's only the Word of God that is eternal that will bring change. Because the Spirit brings the Word of God alive. And so, as we pray, Will you join me and believe that for those of us who need the Holy Spirit to minister to us where we are, that we will experience that baptism and even that empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Shall we pray? Dear Lord, I just pray for uh, everyone that is listening to me today. I pray that as we are sitting in our living room or driving in our, you know, driving in our cars or wherever we are, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will go to where every person is right now and that you will speak to them and you will empower them with whatever they need to be able to overcome all of life's challenges. We know we are living in challenging times, but we know that, Lord, you have overcome everything. And I know that, Holy Spirit, that right now, as I ask that you will come and minister to every single person that calls out to you, Lord, that you will show them the power that comes from the Word of God and by your Holy Spirit. And I pray for deliverance today, Lord, from whatever things that, that we are struggling with, whether it's an addiction, whether, Lord, is a health problem, Lord, whether it's a relationship problem. I just pray in the mighty name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Spirit come upon every person that is praying this prayer right now, that you will bring the deliverance to them, that you will bring, oh God, that breakthrough that we all need because you have overcome the world, because you have overcome every challenge. So we ask this, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit and by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I also want to always extend this invitation to any one of you uh, that's listening right now and watching right now and you haven't had the chance to let Jesus Christ in into your life. You know, Jesus says that He's standing at the door of our hearts and knocking all the time for us to let Him in. Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice and He's alive today and He's ready to bring you back into a relationship with God so that you will have the power to overcome all of life's challenges. And more importantly, that you have the forgiveness of God and you are restored back to God and have a true relationship with God, our Creator, through Jesus Christ. So if you have never, ever received Jesus Christ into your life, I would like you to pray this prayer with me. And the prayer will be on your screen as well. So I really encourage you that if you haven't prayed this prayer, please pray this prayer together with me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God who came and died for my sins so that I may be forgiven and be restored back to God. I believe that you rose again from the dead and you are now alive and waiting to save all those who call on you to save them. I now ask you to be my Saviour and my God. Please come into my life and make me a new person. Thank you for accepting me into your kingdom. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who actually prayed this prayer the first time, I want to say that if you prayed this prayer by faith, I can guarantee you through the authority of the Word of God that you are now a child of God, that you are now what the Bible says, born again, and that you now belong to God and Jesus has come into your life. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time or you have just committed your life to God, can I encourage you? Can you contact our local church or whichever local church that you know or even a Christian friend that, uh, that you know and just say, look, I've just made this big step and we want to help you to be able to understand and equip you to be able to continue on with your journey with God. And because I celebrate with you and all the other believers that are listening are also celebrating with you that you have actually entered into this new life that Jesus Christ brings to each and every one of us who call on His name and actually receive Him into our lives. So friends, thank you for listening to to what I have to share today. We do miss you all and I hope that we get to see each other once again. And uh, I apologize if I looked a bit awkward on camera. Uh, but that's how it is. And God bless you. Uh, Hope to see you guys soon, face to face. See you.
1: It's been so good to have you tune in with us this morning. So glad that you could join us. Um, And uh, wasn't that a great message from Dr. Jansen? I always get a lot out of his messages and they're always encouraging and always very challenging. So I hope that you've been blessed by today's service. So... um, when it comes to our giving, we have a giving station open every Wednesday at the church. If you want to give that way, then uh, just uh, there's a giving station in the foyer every Wednesday. Also, the details are on your screen right now if you want to give by direct debit or in, any other methods, the details are here on your screen. So we have uh, the latest word for today's are available. there in the church foyer, so you can pop in any day during the week and you can uh, grab those. Or if you prefer, you can download the app. The new one is coming out right As we speak. So, uh, another great thing we have coming up is May 17th. We have Sam Long from Youth Alive. He's a Youth Alive State Director, uh, again, a a powerful communicator. Uh, He's the pastor of Nova Church, a a new church plant in Adelaide, and doing a phenomenal job. So, we're really blessed to be having him on the 17th of May. He's going to be podcasting into us so that's going to be really great so I want you to um, uh, get on board with that one so we've also um, we have uh, one more song and I hope you've had a a great time with us this morning so you can contact us on our Facebook page or on our website Um, on the website go to contact us click on the link and and leave us a message it'll be great to hear from you Um, but before I go We are going to have another song, but next week is Mother's Day. So that we are reminded of that, I just want you to um, stay tuned. And we've got something coming up to remind you that next week is Mother's Day. And then we're going to have one more song. So stick around. God bless you. Hey. Hey. You got big plans for Mother's Day? No. Hmm? I forgot Mother's Day. Oh, gosh. I didn't say anything to my wife this morning on the way to church or nothing. She was acting all fine, but you know what that means. You know what that means. Oh, mama. Oh, my mom. Mama. Oh, I didn't call my mom. I didn't call my mom. I always call her before church on Mother's Day. That sweet woman! 26 hours of hard labor followed
0: by an 11-pound, 2-ounce baby boy with a pumpkin head! And I didn't call her today! Oh! She probably doesn't think I'm alive!
1: Oh, no. no, I'm doomed. Hey, it's it's okay it's okay mother's day is next week oh yeah so i've got till saturday night